Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker. I'm an author, producer, two-time Emmy Award winner, and host of That Girl the Podcast. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and stories to help you become that girl or that guy in your life. That Girl the Podcast is based on the romantic comedy That Girl a Novel, which is now available as a podcast to listen to. Listen to each chapter about finding yourself and adulting in L.A., Find That Girl and Novel everywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also find it on Amazon to buy the Kindle or paperback of. For more, find us at thatgirlthepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at thatgirlthepodcast and our Patreon page. Welcome, Miko Whitlock, to That Girl the Podcast. It's so great to have you. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, I am very looking forward to this. Um, you are the mindful techie, which I love that name. I think Miko, the mindful techie is really just like the perfect slogan. You really don't even have to like question it. You're like mindful techie, like different yet. Let's find out how that works together. And I'm going to let you take the brain and just give a brief introduction of who you are. Cause I always feel like people do a much better job at explaining themselves than I do. So go for it in brief. Just tell us who you are. Awesome. Well, at at core, I think like all of us, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, but Mm. more than that, when we talk about professional identity, um, I help change makers do great work better by finding sustainable work life and tech life balance. And I do that through training, speaking and coaching. And I work with organizations um, at the intersection of those issues. So issues related to mindful leadership, how we actually do our work, and have a healthy relationship with our technology? How do we do our work and have a healthy relationship with our life outside of our work and our relationships? Um, How do we actually sustain a a healthy workplace culture, whether we're an entrepreneur working for ourselves or we're working at an organization where we're managing a team or working on a team, we feel like we might not have power to change the culture from top down. So I work with folks to really put in place strategies to help them to do the great work that they're doing out in the world because we need more than ever, I think, folks that are doing good work to continue to do that good work. The need has never been greater. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to be able to offer my contribution to that work. Mm, I love that. I mean, there's so many questions already just like percolating, <laughs> like, okay. So let's start at the beginning. Um, let's start with you um, and your brother um, had a single mom. Tell me about what that did to help shape you into the man you are today. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, originally was born and raised there, went to undergrad there, spent most of my adult life there, although I now live outside of um, the Washington, D.C. area right now. But uh, one of my earliest memories is actually, uh, you know, starting uh, first grade. And I remember my mother giving me a door key at the age of about five years old. And I want the folks that are listening to just Take that in to, to imagine your five-year-old self having a door key and having that responsibility or to imagine if you have children or if you have a caregiver, what that would be like to give that five-year-old a key and to say, I want you to make sure every day after school that you pick up your little brother from kindergarten, that you get on the school bus, that you get home and that you're safe and that you stay safe until I come home from work. That was the best that we could do at that time, right? Being raised primarily by a single mother. 
And from that really young age, I developed this sense of uh, independence and this deep level of personal responsibility that I carried with me throughout my schooling and ultimately throughout my my professional uh, career and even into the work that I do today. Mm-hmm. And I began to, as I talk about the work that I do with work-life and tech-life balance and working with changemakers, um, one of the reasons I, I do the work that I do is, number one, I believe that everything that we do is tied to intention mm-hmm. and that we all have a story. And so whether you can connect to the, the story of my five-year-old self um, or maybe there's a different story, we all have something that is driving us to live the life that we're living, right? We all have a deeper calling, I believe, that goes beyond the titles or how much money you're making or which organization you're working for, or which degrees or schools, you, who you're married to. We, we have something deeper that's calling us. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I think about my mom and I think about my brother, when I think about the circumstances in which we grew up, that embedded in me, one, that I wanted to make the world a better place for people that were similarly situated. Yeah. And so I dedicated my, my, my work to working in the change-making sector. So I, prior to the work that I do now, I worked in government and nonprofit and being really intentional about why I was doing that. Um, the second thing that I noted is that with that fierceness of independence, that I developed and even looking at my mom and sort of the challenges that she embodied in raising me and my brother and working nonstop, even to this day, that I wanted to figure out there had to be a better way to have people make a living, to have people do good work, but do it in a way that's actually sustainable, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that actually drives what I do today, right? So I want people to be um, I want people to be independent. I want people to go out and to do great work in the world. I want people to take care of their families and to make a difference in the world. But I want us to do it in a way that is actually sustainable. And I, I want us to recognize that we all have gifts, talents, time, resources. Um, but I believe that we're called to give those back to the world. And I realize that I'm really fortunate to have um, made it to the point that I've made it especially in light of the circumstances in which I grew up. Mm-hmm. And that is really the underlying intention that drives the work that I do, why I do it, how I do it, and who I serve. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, such an incredible nugget. Just that's such a perfect, beautiful story. Um, I also had a single parent and she was always, always at work. I had a grandmother who helped when I was about that age, but I was also very much home alone a lot at a very young age. So I can understand in some ways. Um, And I always like to think that that has helped shape me into the person I am too. And to very much a hardworking, no one's going to give this to you kind of a person. And it sounds like that's what happened with you. Um, And you took it to such a beautiful humanitarian place of like, I want to help others um, on all the levels. And so let's talk about um, balancing work-life balance, because it is so much a part of our generation. It's like, we really want to be able to have a life and yet still work hard. You know, we want to accomplish great things, but we also want to go on vacation and eat good food and like have a real life. And that is very difficult when you are 
in your 20s and your 30s and on, especially in those two decades, you're just like hustle, 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 work, work, work. Like that comes first. Um, and people get crazy with their social media. They get crazy with their email. It's just overwhelming. How do you begin to help that? Because that's what you focus on. <laughs> yes. So uh, three things really quick. So the first is let's put this in perspective and recognize that balance is something that's going to look different differently for everyone, mm -hmm. right? So your idea of balance might be different from mine, right? So um, what you just described was the idea of, you know, you do the sprints where you work, 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 and then you take a break, you refresh, you restore, you come back and you do another sprint, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that process or that approach that works well for lots of folks. So if that works for you, that works for your lifestyle, that works for how you flow energetically, then there's nothing wrong with that, right? For other folks, they might want a lifestyle where they don't want to have to feel like they are they have to wait to go onto a vacation in order to take a breath, right? Maybe they want to build into their everyday schedule that spaciousness where they have time to, to sort of get that restoration on an ongoing basis that maybe you get in a macro dose by taking a, a vacation or a sabbatical. So I give people permission to recognize that your balance is going to look different from other folks. Yeah. Another example when we think about this is that um, some folks are folks that work outside of traditional nine to five hours in terms of how they perform their best, right? Exactly. So <laughs> if, if that is you, that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with that. What we want to do is we want to recognize that and we want to play to that particular strength that if that works for you. So some people work very well within the nine to five structure and that's perfectly okay as well. So that's the first thing that, that I would say. How do the you second is when we talk about balance, let's recognize that it's not a one-time flip of the switch. It's an ongoing process mm -hmm. of realigning and rebalancing because we're continuously growing and evolving. And I like to tell people that if you're doing good work in the world, you're going to be in demand. If you're doing good work in the world, there's going to be an ongoing need for the work that you're doing. And so yeah. the fact that you're in demand, the fact that you're being emailed or called or asked to do interviews or asked to work on this project or that project, that's not a bad thing. So let's drop into a place of gratitude for the fact that we're doing great work. I the world that. recognizes that. And our work is to figure out how do we do it in a sustainable way, obviously. But let's drop into gratitude for that. So the, the third thing is, how do we actually balance this? When we talk about balance, the, the starting point for that is intention. Intention is the starting point for all the work that I do with my clients, no matter which category of work they're coming to me for. And what that means is when we talk about intention, intention is essentially your vision for what your intended outcome is, whether it's for your day, for your week, for a project, for a relationship, what is your intention? Many of us are moving through life, experiencing autopilot. And this is something that I call IDD. Now, most folks have probably heard of ADD or ADHD, but what I'm talking about in this particular instance is something called IDD or intention deficit disorder. <laughs> so we wake up first thing in the morning, for example, for some of us, we grab our phones, we are looking at the news, we're responding to social media, and we're doing all those things before we've gotten clear about what our intention is, what is our intended outcome, what's our vision of success for that day, for that week, for that project. And we have this mile long to-do list of things that we have to get done. 
Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do it all, right? Mm-hmm. But if you took just a few moments to get clear about your intention, how many of those things on that mile long to-do list would you say, actually, this is not really important as I thought it was, or this thing is important, but it can actually wait. Th- these two things at the top of the list are actually the most important. And if I don't get the rest of the things done today, it's okay because my intention is to do X, Y, and Z. And how, I, how I'm aligning my time, attention, and resources is actually aligned with that intention. So um, yeah, so just recognizing again, number one, balance is gonna look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's an ongoing process. Number three, it starts with getting clear about intention. That's brilliant. Oh my God. That's just so, that's so good. And so easy. That's not like, I really have to think hard about that. Cause everything, every point you made, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, and I do it like this. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I love that it is personalized too. It's not just you know, like you said to me, like, oh, like the sprints and then the sabbatical feel natural for you. Then I was like, is that natural? Should it be like that? Like, is that okay? And I think you're giving people a chance to be like, well, maybe there is a better way for you to do this, or maybe you're already working at the the way that you need it to work. Um, And it's personalized. I think that's really key because I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to do it like this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many books out there that are yeah. like, live your life this way. Wake up at five mm-hmm. o'clock, do this, do this. Do this. <laughs> and like, that can't work for everybody. Like I naturally wake up at five o'clock, but that's not because I choose to. It's because my body's like, we're awake now. This is just who <laughs> I am, right? Like, it's yes. not like I'm special. That's just yes. how I work. And so, yeah, there's all of these like expectations that we put on ourselves in order to be like the best person ever but personalizing it to what actually works for you and how you can better achieve the things you want to achieve and get your stuff done per day. Like, you know, really being like, okay, what is the most important thing that I need to cross off my list today? And then the other things don't get done today. That's okay. I think that's so freeing too, for so many people, especially your type A's who are like, "Ah," you know, and put way too much on their plate. And by the end of the day, they're like, oh, I only got like four things done, but they were big, you know, big four things. Like that should be great. They were the four things. They were the important four things. Right. And so I think the key here is recognizing that you get to experiment and find out what works for you. Number one. And number two, remember, this is an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have different seasons in nature. We have different seasons in our life. Mm -hmm. And so what's working for you in this season or not working for you might be different for the next season, right? So perhaps right now you're working on writing a book. And so the sprint sabbatical model might work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But perhaps you're moving into a, a different season in your life where maybe you're a caregiver for someone. And you're trying to balance that with taking care of this, this loved one, mm-hmm. your, your idea of balance is going to look different and how you sustain that is going to look different. So also keep in mind that going back to your point about reading the book and feeling like you have to do it a certain way, asking yourself really what's happening with me in this season of my life and what do I need to best support me? Let me try a few things and see what works and rinse and repeat. Yeah. Um. That's, yeah, that's so, so true. Um, When did you 
realize you needed to start teaching this to others? What happened in your personal life where you were like, okay, um, <laughs> this things need to change? Yeah, so I, I, I had a wake-up call of sorts in my last role. So I mentioned that I worked in nonprofit and government most of my professional career. And my last role, I was communications director for a large international association focused on ending HIV and hepatitis. And as many folks can imagine that, you know, that's a really expansive mission. Mm-hmm. Um, was really passionate and dedicated to the work that I did. Really grateful to be able to be in the company of so many dedicated and knowledgeable colleagues um, that were doing the work. Many of these folks have dedicated their entire lives and careers to, to this work. And I realized that no matter how hard I worked, that there would never be enough time and resources to get all of it done. Yeah. And I came up against a really, potentially really a real health crisis. And I had a realization that I didn't want to die and, and have my music still be inside of me. I think this is a quote from Wayne Dyer. And when I, when I had that realization, I, I didn't want, I realized that I didn't want to drop dead mm-hmm. and realize that my reputation would be for the person that was really responsive at answering emails or really great at managing a product that I actually wanted something more and I wanted something deeper. And I realized that there had to be a more sustainable way to do this. Yeah. And for me, I've always been a really intentional person, particularly when it comes to spirituality, professional development and personal development. And I realized that I had disconnected those, those things. I realized that I, I left the, the personal and the spiritual stuff that I was doing. I left that at the door when I, when I went to work and I realized that that, that wasn't sustainable. And that started a journey to me realizing what I needed to do for myself. And for me, that, helped me to dive deeper into mindfulness, um, which is one of the ways that I, you know, I, I sustain balance for myself and help others to do that. But then I began to examine my sphere of influence within my, my organization and to ask, well, what can I do within my organization to really begin to shift the way things are working? And I realized that while I was managing a team at the time and that I, I had lots of autonomy in terms of how I managed that team. And so we began to have conversations candidly about what's working for you in terms of sustaining balance. Um, and what can we do as a team to make sure that this becomes a core part of how we're actually operating? And so I encourage people to explore what that was and for us to share. So for some people that was photography, some people that was cooking, for some people it was it was music. And so we began to share what we were doing to balance ourselves and what we needed to be able to support one another. And what I realized after that experience is that I developed closer relationships with the folks I was working with and we were actually more effective Mm. and we were less on the brink all the time. And when I realized that I, I, I started to talk about this at conferences and one of those talks that I gave was a short five minute talk on how to be a mindful techie. And I talked about this journey and my experience and working with my team and the response to that was so overwhelming um, so much so that when I go back to this conference every year, folks still know me for that. Hey, you were the guy that gave that talk about being a mindful techie. Yeah. And after that initial feedback, I realized that this was something that was sort of the next step in my journey, that it it lit me up from the inside out. Um, and people were willing to pay me to do it. So I realized I could do good work, mm-hmm. um, but I could also make a living 
doing that at the same time. And that was sort of the, the starting point to figuring out how I could actually do this in the way that I'm doing it right now, full time. That's amazing. That's the dream. Literally. Yes. <laughs> Talk about the mindfulness part of it, because I'm very spiritual. I love talking about that. I love talking about mindfulness. Um, you already quoted Wayne Dyer, so you're good in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there he is. Um, talk to me about that and how that works. Yes. So at, at its core, mindfulness is really about being present to the, to the, to the present moment, paying attention, essentially, and paying attention in a way that we're being non-judgmental and we're able to acknowledge our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, bodily sensations, and to just be in, be in the moment, right? It's a natural part of our experience. And although some people come to it through a spiritual tradition, it's not necessarily a part, it's not religious or spiritual. So if you're feeling like, oh, I have to be religious or, you know, that doesn't resonate with me. Think of it as you're talking about the quality of your ability to pay attention to what's happening in your life. In, in, the, in the present moment. And part of what's happening when we deal with, when we're experiencing what we call imbalance, right? We're stressed out, we're rushing. That is likely happening because you're not in the present moment, right? So if you're rushing, then you're trying to get to the next thing, which means you're not being present to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're creating unnecessary stress because you're trying to hurry up and get to the next thing, but you're not being fully attuned to what's happening right now, right? right? And so the work that I do with mindfulness is really helping people to slow down, to set your intention. And then from there, let's figure out how we actually align and realign our time, our effort, our energy to get to the place that we actually want to go. Um, and a lot of the work that I do, particularly with trainings with groups, I start with very simple breathing exercises. And many times I get the response that, oh my God, this was the first time that I've had an opportunity to actually settle down. This is the first time today that um, I've had an opportunity to sit in the silence. I didn't realize that I was just rushing nonstop from this thing to the next. Yeah. So sometimes something as simple as coming into the present moment by taking a moment of silence before you start a meeting, doing a breathing exercise. Maybe there's mindful movement where you're stretching together. Mm-hmm. That small window of spaciousness actually opens up a big window for you to transform what comes after that. Yeah. And it sounds so simple, but it's so transformative. And I, for anyone listening to this who doubts us, I, I invite you, I dare you at your next meeting to say, hey, can we take... 30 seconds to just sit in silence or 30 seconds to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, 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 a an exercise called the lion's breath. It's on my Instagram channel. You can find it and you can play that okay. um, if you need a, a sort of a guided process. But that is one of the ways that I integrate mindfulness into the, to the work that I do and why I think it's so important. Oh, that's so good. I was just thinking you know, if someone's listening right now, absolutely go to your Instagram and go do that <laughs> and just follow you <laughs> in general. Um, but yeah, like what if you're just in the middle of the day and you are just like at peak stress, what could they do in that moment to just stop? And I mean, you could be on a train, you could be in the car, you could be walking, like what is something they could do right then and there to help calm them down and focus? Yeah. So the, the, 
the breathing is intentional breathing is one of the go-tos for this, right? There's so much evidence for this. We have more than two decades of research around this specifically with breathing and also with mindfulness-based meditation. But one of the quickest things you can do is simply taking an opportunity to pause, breathe in fully and deeply wherever you are, in through your nose, and then out through your mouth. You can close your eyes if it feels safe where you are in the, in the context. Um, seated, standing, it doesn't matter. Um, choose, a, choose a position that feels right and feels good for your body. But that in and of itself does so much to help us to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free for folks that are, and for folks that are able-bodied, it's a simple process that we can, that we can follow. Our breath is something that we take with us wherever we are. I tell people that in pre-pandemic times, when you're at the airport, they don't charge you extra to take your breath with you, right? <laughs> it's free of charge. <laughs> right. So it's always something right there with you. Even if you don't have your phone, I know lots of us are attached to our devices, but it doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. And you can take it with you. Um, and if you're someone that struggles with breathing, maybe you have um, a, a special condition, um, you can pick another anchor. Uh, maybe there's something that you focus on in your visual field. Maybe there's a sound that you choose to focus on, right? Um, there's an exercise where you can essentially take a moment to say, okay, what's one thing that I see? Mm-hmm. What's one thing that I hear? What's one thing that I smell? You know, simply going through that exercise puts you in the present moment, takes you out of the place where you're experiencing anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. And that's enough time for your body to calm down and then allow you to figure out how you figure out what the next right step is for you based on where you are, what situation you're in. Yeah. Breathing is incredibly helpful. Um, I do a five count in hold five counts and five Mm -hmm. count out or even longer. And it is just incredible how fast you will just calm down. It's amazing. Um, you are just a wealth of knowledge and (laughs) I want everyone to please go find you on Instagram. Tell people how they can find you. (laughs) Absolutely. So I I'm on Instagram at a mindful techie, all one word. Um, you can also find me on my website, mindfultechie.com. I invite people to go sign up for the, the email list. And if folks are looking for a free resource to help them get started with this process, I have a free um, workbook. So if you go to mindfultechie.com slash free, it's a free workbook that helps you with the priority setting and the intention setting and also a really fun digital wellness quiz. So if you're figuring out, if you're thinking that you're having trouble with your devices and your, your attachment to them, you want to see where you stand and figure out what do you do next, go get this fun workbook and quiz and uh, it'll be a good starting point for you. Oh my gosh, that's going to be so helpful to so many people. Um, Miko, you are amazing. This was such a great interview. You are such a wealth of knowledge. I'm so glad that you came on and thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.